Welcome to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today is the planner of Urban Environments, PS3 NCAA football campaign champion, and anime enthusiast Brady Hill. How are you doing, Brady? I am doing pretty good, Jordan. Um, The NCAA football game is projected to come back, I think, next year. Is still on schedule. Uh, They're trying to pay the players now. I think they have like a deal that, Every player who opts in gets five hundred dollars, I think. And if every they sign, single if they, player, I think so. Yeah, and uh, that is an insane sum of money. So that's, I mean, that's this wasn't on our topic of things to talk about, but some people are saying, you know, that's not fair. That it's not very much, especially for like some players, like Caleb Williams or whoever might be. Yeah, on the cover like of the the, game. the most predominant. Yeah. $500 is a drop in the bucket. But if you're the third string center, right, then yeah, it'll take $500. You'd take probably nothing just to be in the game, right? Like to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly. For a lot of the players. So it'll be interesting to see who voluntarily signs up for this. If everyone does it, if some select people don't, and there's like a quarterback for USC that's 99 overall, but it's not Caleb Williams, but it but it basically it is, is Caleb Williams. Williams. And then, yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting to yeah. see. Well, cause that's interesting with the, um, you know, the differential in talent, but they're getting played the same. I almost wonder if they could do like a, you know, your overall rating on the video game corresponds to how much you get how paid, you get like paid. the incentive. That would be kind of a crazy, a crazy system, but yeah. Yeah, that would be. It, I feel like there'd have to be some kind of agreement to it, though, because then the the that's totally up to the developer on who gets paid. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's still. Yeah, because yeah, I think a lot of times those video games like stats raters are way off. You know, like yeah. you know, like all these players get rated as ninety nine. Like they can't all be ninety nine. <laughs> Everyone's ninety nine. No one is so. Anyways, that's a lesson for life, kids. <laughs> yeah, remember that. Write that one down. <laughs> Anyways, oh. so we're excited for you guys to join us again today on this podcast episode. Um, I mean, really, the main thing that's happening in the sports world right now is, you know, we just wrapped up the NBA season. There's a lot of things happening around the NBA as far as free agency and the draft goes. I mean, I guess there's baseball, you know, Brady's smiling because he's, that's what he's thinking. I know, but I'm like, for me, this is like the main thing in the sports world right now. So, I mean, if have you watched De La Cruz from the Reds, that guy, is, I have not watched any baseball. No, he's, he's only played, he's a rookie. He's only played like two weeks, but he's uh-huh. like already, he's already hit for the cycle. Um, He already, he had a play I've never seen before in baseball where he hit like a, fast ground ball to the first baseman uh like just a normal he hit it hard and he went to the first baseman the first baseman got it without any problems and then ran to first base and then de la cruz beat him to first base really wow yeah i was like oh my gosh like you could hear it it was in the it was in in a visiting stadium and you could hear all of the fans like gasp like oh my gosh what just like how did that even happen anyways wow that's a name if you haven't heard that name yet Baseball Cruz. or non-baseball fans, uh, De La Cruz from the Reds. Hmm. 
It actually makes me somewhat tempted to look up some highlights or something. So yeah, you should. Maybe. I think I can I can handle the highlights for baseball. I don't think I can, you know. You're a Reds fan, Jordan. We went to a game. That doesn't mean I'm a Reds fan. If anything, I'm going to be a Guardians fan. That's the hometown team. But yeah. anyways, well, okay. Right. Well, that's fun. Did you, did you satisfy your baseball? Um, I mean, that's as good as you're going to get, honestly. So sorry. If you wanted to talk any more about baseball, I think that's about it. There was also the um, LSU Florida College World Series happening right now. They played last night. It was an exciting extra innings game. Yeah. So you could also watch that wow. if you if you were really wanting to scratch. Exciting. So Texas lost. Texas is out. Yeah. 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 They lost on a well. There was a pop fly in the ninth inning, and the game was tied, and it was just a normal play, and then they lost in the lights, and it dropped, and they lost, and it was really oh crazy. bummer. So here's your, there's your unexpected baseball segment of the day. I know, so yeah. You can get, you can get to your NBA much. talk. I'll be quiet. But anyways, yeah, better. Let's let's stick with the good stuff. You know, I'll get back to the NBA. So just kind of a recap of this NBA finals. Um, so obviously the Denver Nuggets came out on top, um, beating the Heat 4-1 in the finals. This was their first ever time the franchise made it to the NBA Finals, and then they finally won. Uh, I think they were the last team from the original ABA that carried over to the NBA uh, to make it and win an NBA Finals. So happy for happy for them, happy for the franchise, happy for the fan base. It's got to feel good, you know. If you were a hardcore Denver Nuggets fan through throughout all those years, I'm sure it feels very rewarding now to like, you know you know witness them coming out on top so yeah i don't know what were some of your thoughts about the denver nuggets run in the playoffs how um how they did some of your favorite moments things like that um i think that the suns nugget series was one of the most overlooked series of the playoffs um in terms of i think like the sun we'll talk about this later the sun's Having a big free agency or, or a big trade, a big move in the offseason. Um, but I think that they probably played the Nuggets the best. And that was an interesting series with uh, Kevin Booker, with Booker and Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Um, but out, outside of that series being kind of interesting, the rest of it kind of went as scheduled, really. The Nuggets were the better team. Jokic was just incredible. Uh, super fun to watch. I've, I was having a, a little debate with some of people I was playing basketball with the other day where they were talking about how like uh, Jokic is so good, but he plays so ugly, like he's so boring. <laughs> and I was like, no, he's not. He's like the most, but like he's my favorite player to watch in the NBA. He's so smooth and just does everything so well. Um, And yeah, and it, yeah, it kind of went how a lot of the series we thought were going to go. We both thought the Heat Nuggets series would go five games and in five games. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, well, you do have to admit, like, even though the way that Jokic plays, like, it is fun to watch. It's beautiful. He kind of does look awkward out there sometimes. You know, the way that he's kind of, like, fumbling around. But he's... The thing is, it's it's so crazy because it it kind of does look like he's filming around, but he's always in control. Like even like when he's a lot of times he'll like lead the fast break dribbling down the floor, and I'm like, 
still every once in a while I'm like, he's about to lose this. Like, how is he, how is he handling the ball right now? And then he just like whips a pass, like perfect pass to someone and they get a layup, you know? Mm -hmm. So it is kind of crazy to watch, but be overall, I think that's gotta be the most dominant playoff. Like, uh, like one of the most dominant playoff performances that we've seen, you know, the Denver Mm -hmm. Nuggets, they only lost four games throughout the entire playoff run. Yeah, the Suns was really the only one where you're like, oh, maybe the Suns have a chance, right? Because yeah. that went to six games. Um, but the rest of the and then they swept the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah, and then uh, this was the first time ever that a player has led the entire playoffs in points, assists, and rebounds. And so that was Jokic. He, which, yeah, that is just crazy. That's just crazy to think about. Yeah. Because so, it'd be crazy enough if he was just leading his team in all those categories, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But not only is he leading the team, he's leading the entire the entire league in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, what a what a performance! Definitely, like I think this was one of those cases. Like, obviously, Jamal Murray's been great as well, but this is one of those cases. Like, if Jokic didn't get the Finals MVP, like that would have been the biggest head scratcher, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, more than any debate about like the Andre Iguodala with Steph Curry uh, for the Warriors and everything. So, um, which by the way, I am on the Andre Iguodala train for that. I think he did kind of deserve it because Steph had was very inconsistent in that playoffs. But anyway, yeah. that's a conversation for another time. Uh, also, another like Jokic set so many records in this playoffs run. He also had 10 triple doubles throughout the entire playoffs, and that was also a new record. So, yeah. Crazy, really fun we to watch. Averaging like 33, 12, and 10 or something, right? Like 30, yeah. 13.5, and 9.5 assists. So almost yeah. averaging a triple double, just like not quite. But yeah, pretty crazy. He did have, they did have the, uh, did that win the award for the most subdued final celebration? Ever with it was just, they kind of won the finals and then they kind of were just kind of walking around and like uh-huh. they shook some hands and then that was that was it. That was yeah. Cool. Well, and there was that funny like post uh post game interview with Jokic where they were asking him if he was excited for the parade, like the celebration parade, and he's like, uh, "I gotta go back home," or something like. Uh, he was just like, "Oh, whatever celebration," but mm-hmm. um, yeah. The other thing that I thought was cool about this, you know, just kind of like a small little thing about this Denver Nuggets playoff run was just like some of the role players that had really good games, like Christian Brown and and a game three of the NBA Finals had a you know great game, especially down the stretch where it like really mattered. The Heat were up going into the third quarter, and uh, Christian Brown gave them a really good lift off the bench, and I think he scored 13 points at the end of that third quarter, and that really sparked them to that win. That was pretty pivotal, you know pivotal win at that point in the series um and you know as a rookie that's got to be crazy you know stepping into this role as as a role player on the biggest stage and then performing the way that he did was kind of fun to watch and Mm -hmm. i i really liked him like since his time in kansas and everything so it was good to see him actually succeed too so that was that was a fun little thing and then also like just seeing Jamal Murray being able to play the way that he did, you know, coming back from his injury where he was yeah. out for so long, uh, being able to reach the the level of play that he was playing at, I think was really impressive. And I think what really stood out to me from Jamal Murray's uh, performance this 
uh, playoff season is how much of an improved facilitator he is. Because, you know, he was always kind of like their their scoring option that they were going to yeah. previously. But he really, I think he was averaging, he actually was second in the playoffs in assists behind Jokic. Mm-hmm. I think he was averaging eight or nine a game. So, yeah, it's crazy if you're, you know, your two, as the Denver Nuggets, your two best players are averaging around 30 points and almost 10 assists. Like that is just ridiculous. Like you can't ask much more from, from those guys. So. Yeah. Really unselfish team. And then they had enough guys that when they had assists that the other players were good enough to like actually make shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Porter, Porter Jr. Like every time he shot the ball, I assumed it was going in. He just has, he has a really gorgeous I don't know. Yeah. shot. It's so quick, yeah. such a quick release. Yeah, he's already like six eight, six nine, or something mm. like. I think that. he's six ten. Yeah, he's six ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is he's gonna get just better and better because he's still pretty young. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his if his play evolves, he he's one player that I think has a lot of room for improvement because he's really kind of decided he's just gonna be like a three point shooter. Like if he like decided to drive the ball a lot more, maybe get a little bit of a post up game, like he'd be unstoppable. Because yeah, he's already six ten. He gets good elevation. And he's got a quick release, so no one can like stop that. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how his game evolves over the years. But yeah, see that I think that's what made the Nuggets so fun to watch is they have so many good pieces that just fit together well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the role players. Because I mean, you look at like the difference between this Denver Nuggets team this year and last year. Really, the only pieces that they picked up. I mean, besides obviously getting Murray back, that's a big thing. But they picked up Bruce Brown in the offseason and Contavious Caldwell Pope, which those guys, you know aren't phenomenal on their own. It's not like they went out and got another star or something like yeah. that. They just got some good role players that really fit into their roles well. Cause I mean, yeah, there were some stretches where Bruce Brown was just playing phenomenal, like on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. So, and I think I, this is something I guess we'll talk about later when we get into free agency, but you know, there's so many teams now that are just really trying to grab for all the stars that they can. But I think this is really showing that, you know, you, know, you don't need to just go out there and just, you know, kind of Frankenstein all these NBA stars together you can build a good cohesive team that has good chemistry and you know that can lead to success you know so anyways but I guess from the other side of it you know the I think we should also pay a lot of respect to the Miami Heat for the run that they had because uh you know it's pretty crazy you know coming from being an eight seed they lost their first playing game. I kind of forgot about that, but they lost to the Atlanta Hawks in their first playing game. So they were one game away from completely being eliminated from the playoffs. And then, you know, making that run to make it all the way to the NBA finals is pretty impressive. So, and this was um, only the second time that uh, an eight seed has made it to the NBA finals. Was that about what you were about to say? That's what I was about to say. And I think the other, was that the time the Knicks, they lose to the Spurs? Who was it that year? So yep, that was the Spurs. That was in '99. So yeah. the Knicks lost to the Spurs in the finals. So yeah. So that was a fun run, and they had a few interesting. Like that made a few a few of these series particularly interesting. Uh, even even the Bucks series, even though I think that only went five games. Every game was like, okay, when are the Bucks gonna, you know, turn it back on? And they they never quite could had some injury issues with Giannis and things like that and then the Boston series was um super fun with Boston coming back but not quite being able to finish the deal and make history as the first team coming back from down 03 um but yeah the heat just heat culture that's what uh 
their fans have talked about for years, heat culture. They just take all these uh, undrafted free agents and turn them into. They're all like really scrappy players, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which they will talk about more in the NBA draft, but they added another one of those very uh, heat-esque players in the first round too, that I think will be a good fit in their system. Yep. Um, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll save that but one. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh, I like, I like the fact that Jimmy Butler. I just like Jimmy Butler's story arc from the Timberwolves of saying all of you are soft, and they are, they are, they're still soft. I still watch the t- the Timberwolves in the playoffs in the in the play in or whatever. I was like, wow, they're terrible, even though they're not. Like they're really talented for being how bad they are. Yeah, yeah, they've got a lot of talent. Yeah, and from him going from there, going to Philadelphia, who has their own issues, and finally getting to the Heat and being the best player with a bunch of people that no one knows, and willing them to the finals twice, um, as just this scrappy leader of Heat culture or whatever. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't actually good enough to to win because they weren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I do like the story. It's interesting. Well, yeah, because it's so crazy to watch because. I mean, Jimmy Butler is really good, but I just don't understand how he can will his team to win like that a lot of times. Because he, I'm like, yeah, he would just take over, and it's not like he was doing anything too fancy. He would literally just like just bully the other team. I don't know, like just you know that that kind of style that he plays, just kind of he would, crazy to watch. He yeah. would somehow bully in three pointers. In a yeah. way that I don't, he would like just jump really high. Like he probably jumped and like just, three feet in the air. He just like on, threw like it he down. was going to dunk a three pointer. Yeah. And it just like rattled in somehow. He did that several times. I was like, oh, yep. God, he's making these shots. And also, there, there was also multiple games in the playoffs, which to, to his detriment, I don't think he played particularly well in the finals. No. Um, yeah. But there were multiple games where he actually played pretty poorly all game, and then there's like three minutes left, and then he'd score like 16 points in the last yeah. like he'd score all their points in the last like three or four minutes, and they'd win. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. that was kind of crazy. Yeah, that was. I think that was the problem with the Heat. A lot of times was consistency because a lot of those games in the finals they were up, you know, going into the yeah. second half and everything, but they just couldn't hold onto the lead because. You know, they weren't getting enough consistent scoring options because, yeah, Jimmy Butler wasn't being the most consistent and Bam Adebayo was having... He actually probably performed better in the finals than Jimmy Butler. Yeah. But uh, also just, yeah, yeah, yeah. not enough. Not enough there. So, but, um, but yeah, really fun to watch. And, yeah, Jimmy Butler had some really good, like, clutch moments in the playoffs. I don't know if you remember. I think it was in the Bucks series uh, where they were down by two. I think this was in game five. So, so close out the series and the heat were down two, and they had a sideline inbounds played a lob it to Jimmy Butler and he tipped it oh, in yeah. with like one second left, sent it to overtime. And then they won in overtime. And then he also had uh, the play in the Celtics series. I can't remember what game it was, but he had like that step back long two to seal the deal. Um, so yeah, he had a lot of clutch moments for sure. Back oh, yeah. and forth with uh, the kid from Tennessee. Um, Grant Williams? Yeah, Grant Williams. There's some yeah. John back and forth. That was fun between yeah. those two in that series. Yeah. Yep. So that leads me into kind of my next question. What was um, what was your favorite series to watch in the playoffs this year? Um, 
One of my favorite series to watch was Sacramento Golden State in the first round. Uh, I thought that was one of the best. Both those teams were kind of up and young. Like, well, I guess Golden State's not that young, but they play young. They're kind of up and down, mm-hmm. fast, shoot, uh, good shooting teams. And then just the storyline with Sacramento being kind of out of the blue good all year. And then can they compete against the team that has been the best NBA franchise since 2014? Um, with the Warriors, and they did. They didn't quite get it done, but uh, it was a fun, fun back and forth series there. So that'd probably be number one on the list. Um, I did enjoy Nuggets Lakers, just because I always enjoy seeing the Lakers get swept. That's fun. Um, and then probably the other couple that we've mentioned uh, with Heat Boston, uh, Heat Celtics was good too as well, and and. Uh, yeah, those are probably my top ones. I don't know if you had any thoughts about those or thoughts specifically about the Golden State Sacramento series since we haven't touched on that. I assume that you would since that was your one yeah. series where your team was able to win. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you stole mine. That was going to be my favorite series to watch because even though, you know, even though it was like a, a struggle at the beginning for the Warriors and, you know, it was kind of brutal at the beginning, it was just super fun brand of basketball because, like you mentioned, both of those teams – high octane offenses, lots of shooting. They share the ball really well. You know, both those teams were among the league leaders in assists. And yeah, I, I also like, it was hard for me because, you know, obviously I was rooting for the Warriors, but I had a hard time not rooting for the Kings because I just kind of liked them because it was really fun to watch Fox. Fox was amazing. Like he would always perform really well down the stretch too. I mean, I think a big part of that series was, you know, when Fox hurt his finger, I think in game five, yeah. You know, he still played decently, but it kind of slowed him down a little bit. I think things might have been different if, he, if that didn't happen. So, I mean, you, you never hope for players to get injured, but sometimes it helps your team, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, Fox was phenomenal. And Monk, Malik Monk was really fun to watch. Yeah. There was, and yeah, so the Kings had so many players that could just step up at different times. Like Keegan Murray had a few really good games where he was just making everything, it seemed like. And then um, Harrison Barnes, too, would go through stretches where he was actually doing pretty good. So, yeah, it's just fun to watch those kind of teams, you know. So, um, but then, yeah, and then also just the way that the Warriors responded, you know, they were down 2-0, losing the first two games. Um, like, it's got to be hard. But, yeah, they were able to come back home, build the momentum, and then uh, close it out in Game 7 where Steph Curry had the the highest scoring Game 7 that's ever been recorded, 50 points. Like, yeah, that was I I think that's got to be one of the best like playoff performances right there because yeah. he had to just will his team to victory. Um, so, yeah, so that one was really fun. I think that was the most entertaining series uh, for me to watch. Uh, I was going to, you already mentioned this, but Nuggets Suns. I think that was really fun too. Um, there was a lot of good moments in that series. Uh, kind of the going back and forth. I mean, Devin Booker, I kind of feel bad because he had a great series. Like he was shooting like over like 50, 60% or something from the field, which is crazy for such a high volume shooter to have that kind of percentage. But he was, it was like he was making everything, you know? Uh, But yeah, it just wasn't enough uh, to make it past the Nuggets because the Nuggets just played so well together. Because it seems like that the thing was just like, the Nuggets just kept running really good offense and the Suns would eventually just run out of firepower. You know, Devin Booker would still, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant were still both scoring like 30 points. 
but since they didn't have that depth, they couldn't get those few extra buckets that they needed to like close out the game, you know? So, and then obviously you mentioned the Heat Celtics as well. I think like one of my favorite moments in the, in the playoffs was that game six between the Heat and the Celtics, where I was convinced that the Celtics had just lost the series because, you know, there's, they were down by one last second shot by Marcus Smart. He It rims yeah. out. And I was like, oh, that was so close. He almost made it. And then yeah. Derek White tips it in. And I was like, oh, that had to have been after the buster. There's no way he had enough time to get that off. But then going back at the replay, it was like clear as day that he actually yep. got it off. It was, and yeah, so, so that was just a crazy storyline. Honestly, that was kind of, that made me kind of root for the Celtics at that point because like having that that moment and then if they were to pull off the 3-0 comeback, that would have been like, you know, going down in the history books yeah. for, you know, forever in the NBA. Um, but as it is, you know, the heat moved on and everything. So, uh, so yeah, those are some of the highlights from the playoffs for me. Is, um, Devin Booker. So I really like to watch Devin Booker play. He is very, like you'd mentioned, he's very, when he's on, he's on, he's very hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great shooter. Is he a jerk? Because I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just, I watch occasionally and I see him do petty things occasionally, like just like knock the ball out of people's hands for no reason or like talk smack when they're, when they're losing or just, I don't know. He just seems like a an unspoken kind of petty basketball player that I don't know if I would like. Yeah, he's one of those people where I'm like, I purposely am not going to try to learn anything about him as a person because I like him as a basketball player. He's fun to watch. I like his game. But yeah, I do feel like if I was to learn more about him as a person that I would kind of hate him. I think. Yeah. I was just curious if that was something that like other people, if this was something that NBA fans know or Mm -hmm. talk about, or if it's just something that I've noticed. Yeah, it seems kind of less like a sore loser to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have any like specific instances, but it does seem like there's multiple times where like, yeah, he's trying to take the ball away from someone or he's just jawing with someone. And I feel like a lot of times, too, it was like one of like the bench players, you know, like not something that was even like playing in the game. So, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Has has the ego so yeah yeah anyways well that's one nba season done jordan with the nuggets coming out as the champions and Jokic. um i think he's already won two mvps but i for somehow still kind of stepping into that role i guess like nationally uh, recognize of okay he's not just a regular season guy who has numbers like he actually is really good look at this guy who's very impressive Mm -hmm. Uh, which is weird considering he's already won two mvps and almost won a third back to back to back this year but uh he did get his championship yep yeah it was good to see because yeah it's kind of like cements his legacy, you know, because yeah. you got to at least win one. Because I think we've yeah. seen it in the past with so many players. They have great careers, have all the statistics, maybe win multiple MVPs. But if they don't win a championship, it's like they, they, can't, they don't really count it, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so he's yeah, it's good club. to see. Yeah, he's in the club. Okay. And, uh, with that, we'll move right on to the next season. <laughs> yeah. With uh, the NBA draft that just occurred. Jordan, um, what are your initial impressions from the NBA draft? Well, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about like, you know, what are some of the discussion points that we could have about the NBA draft? And like the first thing that came to mind is like who won the draft night? But I was like, that is honestly not even a discussion. Like, obviously it's the Spurs, you know, yeah. they're, you know, first take Victor Wembanyama, number one overall. Uh, this has got to be like the best prospects that we've seen since LeBron James might even be turn out to be better than LeBron James. So, um, so yeah, like I was like, I guess we can't really have that discussion because the, the Spurs could have literally gotten no, no one else and they still uh, would have been, they would have had the best draft class. Like who did they even, they also got Jalen Clark from UCLA, which is in the second round, which was, oh wait, no, who else? Oh, City Sissico. Oh, France. he's another guy from France. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of fun. So maybe that was like a they they probably just caught Victor Wembanyama just a buddy, you know, just to just to <laughs> relate with. That was it. So, anyways, yeah, really excited to see him, you know, in in the Spurs system and everything. You know, Greg Popovich. Um, it's a great coach, so I'm sure he'll do do well with that. But I did want to ask you, kind of like, what are your expectations for the Spurs for this next year? Because I mean, they just don't have a lot of pieces to surround him with at this point. But what are you, what are you expecting from the Spurs next year as a Spurs fan? Uh, I I don't have any expectations other than I would like to see uh, Wimbanyama play well. I think he's going to have some growing pains mm-hmm. in the league um, because he's obviously like he can shoot the ball. He can for his size. He's has incredible handles for someone who's seven five, and uh, pretty impressive mobility for someone who's seven five. So I think he's going to be really good, barring you know catastrophic injury, which is not out of the question for someone that big. Um, but I I want to see it translate, and so he's I want to see him averaging in twenties per game. I, I want to see him averaging twenty and ten in his first year yeah um and aside from that don't really care they make playoffs great they don't whatever i i they don't really have anyone else that i'm particularly excited about as someone who doesn't follow the nba super closely i'm sure they have a couple young guys who are talented but i don't don't really know not actually sure because i don't know but um i don't really have any i don't have high expectations for this first season yeah, because like off the top Should of my I? head, like the only other like good players that they have around him is like they've got Doug McDermott, right? And then yeah. they have Devontae Graham, I think. Who else do they even have? Because they, they got it they, they like lost all their other pieces, you know? Yeah. Like DeJounte Murray and uh they were, they were losing on purpose this year, which yeah. was a good strategy. Um I'm looking at their roster. Um, let's see. Hey, Johnson. You know who that is? Oh, Keldon Johnson? 
Elvin Johnson. I don't know who that is. I mean, yeah, he's just a young player. He played at Kentucky, I think. So one of those one and done players. Yeah. I think I think they're very young. They've got a lot of like potentially good players that have a lot of yeah, they have potential. Potentially good players that have a lot of potential. Um, so, but yeah, no one that's really been like proven, like a proven star in the league. I got, is it Trey Jones, the guy from Duke? Mm, yeah. He's still there. He's fine. He's not. Not as good as his brother. So, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Might be kind of Vassal? rough the first year. Do you know, do you know who a vassal is? No. Is that Collins? The, the decent backup center. Yeah. yeah. So they like, yeah, they don't have a lot. Uh, yeah, because if they could get like a few more pieces to surround him, you know, some good role players and like maybe another good, like a shooting guard or small forward that could fit in, fit into their system well. But I'm assuming the system changes though, right? If you're, if you're the Spurs, like your entire team dynamic. Yeah. with this pick right and how mm-hmm. you build your roster and what your focuses are yeah. how you run your offense oh so, for sure yeah so that's why kind of this first year is just get victor through the season hopefully he doesn't get injured and i want to see you know why he is a a potentially multi-generational talent um yeah and if i see those things just little glimpses of them and they're not completely awful then that's great. And then with a year or two, they can work to build around his skill set. Popovich mm-hmm. can can uh can start building that roster and, and that system around him. And if they do that, then great. Yeah, real quick, kind of last things to talk about with Victor Wembanyama. I'm just so excited to watch him play because I remember us talking last year, right, about Chet Holmgren. How we thought he yeah. we thought he was this you know phenomenal talent like with his height having his level of shooting and ability yeah. that he had, but Victor Wembanyama is like so far above that even you know like I I, I would compare like Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama and it's like not even close like the level of skill and then also Victor Wembanyama has got a few inches on Chet Holmgren too so yeah uh, yeah. I- I will say though, I I still think Chet Holmgren, assuming he comes back from injury healthy, which is once again hard mm-hmm. to assume, I still think he's going to be really good. And I was about yeah. to say, I'm really excited to watch them play each other. I think Ooh, that would be a very be, fun, yeah, very fun matchup. I think so. Those yeah. two have to go up head to head. Yeah, interested to watch that. That would be fun. And yeah, I guess one other thing is. I don't know if you saw this, the news article of Victor Wembanyama went to like dinner with uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Did you happen to see that in the picture that he, that Victor Wembanyama had with those guys? He has totally dwarfed David really? Robinson. Like David <laughs> Robinson looks tiny next to him. And you know, David Robinson's, was he 6'11", 7 foot? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it, you'll have to look up the picture. It's kind of funny to watch. And then Tim Duncan, you know, kind of looks smaller as well. So. It's kind of crazy to think of how big he is. So yeah. anyways, I guess we've talked enough about Victor Wembanyama now, but super fun. Definitely going to watch him opening night or, and then, you know, in the summer league too, that should be a fun thing to watch. So, so kind of the last question to wrap up our discussion on the uh, NBA draft. Uh, what do you think the best deal of the draft was? Like who maybe got the best value for, for their, for their pick or something like that? Um. 
best steal of the draft. There's a couple people that I think are could be sneaky good that like no one talks about. Uh, currently, one of them is Muhammad. I don't know how to pronounce his name exactly. Muhammad Gaye from Washington State. He's a seven foot like guard essentially. They have him at power forward, but he's small. He's probably he definitely would be like a Kevin Durant style player. Mm, okay. He's to work on his shooting a little bit, but he's really mobile. He's a very athletic seven footer. Um, who I think is like he's uh, I I think I think he's still kind of new to the game a little bit. He has a seven four wingspan. I think in a few years of of development in the NBA, he could be a really good player. And he got drafted in the second ninth pick of the second round. So. For a second round player, I think he has a high ceiling potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as someone like Giannis, to where like nobody knew who that was. And then a couple of years in, he transformed his body and it's like, oh my gosh, who is this like monster in the NBA? I think that could be a name, uh, personally. I don't know how many. There's other couple names. I mean, I'm playing a different game, I guess, than what you're asking. Is I'm looking at who was a who was drafted later than I thought they would have been drafted. Yeah. Um, another one was uh, uh, the kid out of Kansas, Jalen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Late second round, I would have mm-hmm. assumed. I wasn't looking at mock drafts, so I don't actually know other than what's listed on ESPN Post what their projections were. But I would have thought Jalen Wilson would have been at least late first round. He was mm-hmm. a really good player who has an inside and outside game, has decent size. Um, I would have thought he would have been higher. And then Julian Strother from uh, Gonzaga, late first-round pick for the Pacers. I think he's going to be a pretty solid player as well that I would have thought could have been mid-first round. Um, so, yeah, those are just a couple names that stood out to me. I don't know if you had any had any different thoughts. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the ones that stuck out to me uh, at the beginning was just Marcus Sasser, because I expected him to go a lot further, because he was late in the first round. I thought he might be like a lottery pick or something, but I guess his stock might have dropped, I don't know, this last year a little bit, which I don't know. It seems like he he still had a pretty great year, you know, despite their kind of earlier than anticipated exit in the well, uh, NCAA tournament, but he was injured though, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons he was injured. Play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did come back, but he definitely didn't seem like he was 100 percent and everything. But yeah. I think he's going to be a great NBA player. Like I think his game transitions really well because he's got good size and the skills of a point guard and yeah. everything, and great shooter and every and all those kind of in uh, you know all the little things. It seems like he does pretty well. So. I think that'll be good. He um, got drafted by Houston and traded to the Pistons. Um, and then in the second round, one of them that stuck out to me was uh, Isaiah Wong. Like he was very towards the end. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure quite how his game will translate to the NBA, but, you know, with the way, you know, kind of smaller guards have kind of flourished more in the league now. Cause I think, you know, back 20 years ago, Isaiah Wong would kind of struggle to find his place in the league, but, you know, he's really quick. Uh, he's got a lot of good moves um, and a lot of athleticism too. Like he can really elevate. So he might, he might turn out uh, being pretty good as well. So those would be the two that I would 
point out. And then, oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was going to kind of move to the next thing. So what were you saying? I was going to say, I feel like this draft wasn't super, maybe it's just because I didn't have expect as many expectations going in because I knew my team was drafting first mm-hmm. and that they were going to take women. Yama, and so I didn't care as much about the rest of it, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was a lot more like chalky. Like I didn't think there was that many big surprises. Although another surprise that I was a little shocked to see is Jalen Pickett getting drafted by the Pacers as the second pick of the second round. I didn't think he was an NBA prospect. Uh, really? He was a really yeah. good player with Penn State, but I didn't. His his game was like odd. He would he would like just back down point guards into the mm-hmm. paint and then basically yeah. play like Jokic. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't and have the size. Yeah, he doesn't have the size. He doesn't have. He's not uber athletic. He's just a good like college basketball player who's just a senior. And yeah, and, like, it I seems like, like it kind I... of just fits into the college because that fits yeah more into the college system. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of shocked to see his name up so high. I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Why did they draft him? I yeah, I was kind of surprised with that too. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of the opposite, I guess, of non-steal, maybe a weird pick that I don't think will work out. But um, maybe they're thinking because, like, maybe they're thinking that, um, you know, if he just develops his shooting a little bit more, he'll fit into the roles well. Because I mean, I guess somewhat of a similar player to him was, um, what's the Colorado State guy? I think it's like Rowdy. He's big though. He's big. He's like two forty. Oh. Right. Well, yeah, he's big, but he's not tall. Yeah. Right. Like he's probably like six five. Yeah. Maybe six um, four. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's true. But Jalen Pickett's I mean, like it's, I was, I'm seeing here him listed at six three two o two. Yeah. So that's just very normal sized yeah. point guard to me. But um, I mean, but yeah, similar play style. Like they would just kind of like back people down and get those tough shots at the rim. But he's really done well. Like his first year in the league, he's a pretty good, yeah. uh, accomplished three point shooter now. And yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It might be something like that. But yeah, you're right. He doesn't have the same size. Like Jalen Pick doesn't have the same size as David Rowdy. Is yeah. that his name, by the way? I think so. David Rowdy. It's close. It's I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So you at least know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I did think. Um. I mean, kind of going. We were mentioning this before like teams that we thought picked really well to like fit within their system i thought um like him fitting into like the nuggets might be good because so the nuggets through various trades that they got in the picks in the draft they ended up with julian strother jalen pickett and hunter tyson i feel like that fits in really well because you know they add hunter tyson and julian strother which are both very elite like three-point shooters and everything yeah and you know just putting that alongside with Jokic and murray to space the floor. I think that's really good. So I think they did pretty good with their draft, and which is crazy because, you know, they were just coming off of winning the NBA finals and everything. Wait, and you then, say Julian Strother to the Nuggets? Yeah. They so went they to got the, him. I thought he went to the Pacers. Yeah, and then it was a trade to the Nuggets. That's you what should... I have right here. Yeah, it says Julian Strother going to the Nuggets via the Pacers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's an excellent pickup then, I thought. Yeah. yeah. So pretty crazy um and then you mean i think you were mentioning this before but another 
really good fit into the system was uh, Jaime Hawkins with the Miami Heat. I yeah. feel like he is a quintessential Miami Heat player. Uh-huh. You yeah. know, kind of scrappy, get you tough buckets. Um, maybe a little underrated. Yep. So, I think his game will actually transition pretty well to the NBA because you know he's got the decent size, got good ball handling uh, ability, and then like a decent shooter. Like he, he'll definitely have to work on that. I think. Uh, to be a more like get, get his field goal percentage up and everything, but he gives me like Jason Hayward vibes. Yeah, Jason Hayward. Wait, Jason Hayward. Yes. Right? Jason Hayward. Uh, the dude who played for the Utah Jazz, and then now he's like with the Gordon Hornets Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Who's Jason? <laughs> Hayward? Jason Hayward's a baseball player. I think he. Plays I was like, I have no idea who Jason Hayward is. I was just gonna yeah. go with it though. I was like, oh man, maybe it's someone, yeah, someone from sure the eighties or something. Uh, yeah, he's a major league baseball player. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gordon Hayward. Yeah, he gives yeah. me Jordan. and I don't know if that's just because he's white, but he gives yeah. me. He's about the same size, and they look kind of the same, and <laughs> he gives me those vibes. It's been a solid, like solid, like two or three. Yeah. For a team. Yeah, for sure. Which they need. They need another scoring option. So that'll be good for them. All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with the uh, NBA draft? I was just going to shout out the uh, WCC, um, who last year they had a couple guys from Gonzaga and then, uh, as usual, but they also had the kid from Santa Clara who got drafted high in the first round. And then this year they have another guy from Santa Clara uh, get drafted in the first round. And then I believe they had somebody in the second round as well. I'm looking through the list here. Pepperdine. They had a kid from Pepperdine get drafted in the second round. So, yeah. So that's two out of 60 players getting drafted internationally two of them were from the wcc and then there was like three or four last year from the well, wcc that's, as well, well. That's not concluding the the gonzaga um, oh yeah that's julian true strother. I, mean, I forgot about julian strother so yeah yeah yep so yeah so just a little shout out to that little conference that actually produces last few years yeah all the nba talent yeah it's pretty impressive that was it okay all right, so last thing we wanted to talk about surrounding the NBA is there's been a lot of interesting things happening in the free agency period and stuff like that. I think some of the most notable moves that are happening, I don't have the details of all the trades in front of me, but basically uh, Brandon, uh, Bradley Beal, I was like, Brandon Beal, that's not right. Bradley Beal is uh, headed to the Suns to play alongside of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and they sent, I think, Landry Shamit um and some draft picks and stuff like that so yeah what are your thoughts on on that trade how that bodes for both of those teams um i mean that's the best they're basically trying to be the new warriors like that's the best shooting Mm, team in the league right yeah between Mm -hmm. those three guys um i'm interested in i think they needed to make a move and so moving on from chris paul in getting uh in and um in getting um the Washington guard one uh, Bradley Beal makes sense. I think that's a that's a move they needed to make a move and I think that's a good one to make for them. Um 
what I'm interested in is how they're going to change in terms of ball distribution. Who's going to run point? Are they going to have, mm -hmm. who's going to be the playmaker for the team? Because yeah, none Kevin of them Durant are like gonna, a point guard. Yeah. Is Kevin Durant going to run the four? Which makes sense to me in this team. If you have all three of them, mm -hmm. you have Kevin Durant at the four. Um, and then, uh, Beal at the three, Devin Booker at the two, and then have a some kind of a point guard who's able to distribute the ball well, but we don't know. I mean, I guess they got Cameron Payne, which they might have put Cameron, into that. Yeah, but is he that guy? I don't think so. He's a good backup point guard. Yeah, you're right. I don't That's feel like I he's your too. starting point guard, you know? And so he's a good backup. I would want him on my team as my backup point guard, but I don't know if I feel like that the the distributor position there is going to be really important for those kind of players. Unless one of them, like Devin Booker specifically, is going to run run with the ball in his hands a lot more. Yeah, but he's not he's not traditionally a big assist guy, so I'm interested. None in of them are. Out. Yeah, no, yeah, none, of, none, none of those three players are like traditionally big assist people. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And the, yeah, I I think my thing with this trade is that, you know. The Suns already like depleted a lot of their depth to make the the deal to get Kevin Durant. So yeah. whatever depth they had left is completely gone now. Because mm -hmm. yeah, all they have really is like as far as role players go that are, I would consider like good role players is Tory Craig. I mean yeah, like Cameron Payne is there, and then I mean Jock Landell was solid too as a backup center, but they really just don't have much behind like their big three scoring options, you know. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that will be like the big test, I feel like, with my, you know, how I was talking about how, you know, with the Denver Nuggets, we have that big contrast of they're a well-balanced team that have a bunch of these role players that have good chemistry together uh, yeah. versus the Suns, who basically have three guys that can just score tons of points, and yeah. but then really don't have all those pieces that really fit well together. So yeah. we'll see what, what correlates to you know, I want that to be the Western Conference Finals. I feel like I think that's like the the matchup for this next year. Maybe like the Denver Nuggets versus the uh, versus the Phoenix Suns. That would so, be fun. That I'd would be a fun one. That. that is if the Warriors don't make because the Warriors also made an interesting move in this offseason, which honestly I'm not super excited about. I don't think it's really helping them that much. But they acquired Chris Paul. Um, they traded away Jordan Poole few other picks to get Chris Paul at the Warriors. So what are your initial thoughts on that move? So my initial thought is I'm assuming this is a salary issue. Yeah. Primarily because they paid Jordan Poole a lot of money. Mm -hmm. He's been off and on. He in the playoffs specifically, he wasn't that good for the Warriors. Um because Chris Paul they already have a point guard in Steph Curry. They don't yeah. need like, and Chris Paul is very, Chris Paul is very ball dominant mm -hmm. historically. He doesn't really fit the kind of free flowing ball movement that the Warriors typically play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's just old and injury prone, but I think he only has like a one-year contract left. So he's, he's only got gonna... one or two years left. Yeah. Probably. So I'm, I'm assuming they're making this move saying, okay, well, we got a guy. He's a veteran and he's a good player. 
So we're going to take him, dump the pool money that we're not so sure about anymore, and then we'll dump Chris Paul next year. And then they'll yeah. have a big opening that they can do something with. Yeah. I'm assuming that's the move. The only risky part of that move is how many more years does Steph and Clay have left as like, like they'll be good, but like, are they, how many years do they have left as like know, at an elite top level. 10 players? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Like they're mm-hmm. kind of running out of time with that group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming, have they already re-signed Draymond Green? I know he went to free agency, but he, the discussion has been that they did that to rearrange his contract. No, yeah, they haven't re-signed him yet, but that is the anticipation. And that was, uh, I think, a big reason for that Jordan Poole move is that they have the money to pay Draymond more money, right? To give him more so that he they can re-sign him. Because it sounds like that is the priority of the organization is to re-sign Draymond Green, which I have mixed feelings about because, yeah, sure, we want to keep him, whatever. But like I feel like they could have got so much more value out of the Jordan Poole trade. Because I think yeah. a lot of teams would be looking at Jordan Poole like this could be our number one or two scoring option. Right. You know? Um, But yeah, I don't don't feel like they really got too much from him. And if it's really just to keep Draymond green, that doesn't seem worth it to me. I mean, it certainly doesn't seem worth it to me, but we already know I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm already a certified. I don't believe Draymond green's that good. I know. I also really don't believe he's that good. He does a lot of intangible stuff to help you win, but there's but so lots of players lot of that do that. Players. There are yeah. lots of players that do that. There, he'd definitely pick up someone else that does something like that uh, for their team. So, yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, they still did keep a lot of their other good pieces, like um, Dante Divincenzo. He was having a great year last year, so I think that will be good for him. And honestly, yeah, I think. If I'm the Warriors, Chris Paul's coming off the bench for sure. Yeah. I would not put him in a starting role at all. Because yeah, like you said, like you don't need two point guards. Chris Paul's kind of too ball dominant. I I just don't see how he's fitting into that system at all. So yeah, kind of a bummer as a Warriors fan to see that, but eh, it is interesting at least. It's something interesting. And I did kind of want them to get rid of Jordan Poole. He was kind of bugging me at the end of the at the end of the year, this last year, like so many questionable shot selections, things like that. So you didn't like his like fifty foot three pointer with like ten seconds left in one of the game that was. No, that was really yeah. That was in the Lakers series, I think. Yep, that was um. Yeah, questionable to say the least. Which, if I remember correctly, since we're talking about the value of Fremont Green, he uh, didn't exactly shut down Anthony Davis. Oh, no. In that series. No. Which is kind of his primary value, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is as a versatile defender against other medium to big sized players. And yeah. I don't know if he can do that anymore. Not really. So, I, and yeah, that's the thing is I feel like that's the piece that the Warriors are missing that kind of athletic big guy that can yeah. guard those players. And gets rebounds because Kevon Looney does great. Like he does get, he is a monster on the board somehow. I don't know how, but but he doesn't have the athleticism to like guard an Anthony Davis really, yeah. you know. So that was, I was hoping they could get someone like that. I was hoping that uh, James Wiseman would be that, but it yeah. doesn't look like he has been. 
he even on the roster anymore? Doesn't look like he is. I don't know what happened to him. So, anyways. Um, but it is what it is. We'll see how they do this next season. Kind of last interesting move I wanted to talk about for this offseason was uh, Porzingis is going to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And they traded away Marcus Smart. I think it was a three-themed three-team deal where I think Marcus Smart went to the Grizzlies, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? That's what I remember. And then someone went to the... Was it Tyus Jones, I think, went to the Wizards? Something like that? Anyways. But yeah, what are your thoughts there? Do you think Porzingis will fit well with the Celtics, with Tatum and Brown? Uh, I think Marcus Smart is a good fit for the Grizzlies for what they need. Uh, a little bit of veteran savvy with that team, and but also a little bit fiery. Like he, I think he fits as a Grizzly. Well, I wonder, well. how do you think it's going to be him and Dylan Brooks on the same team is a crazy concept for me. Is, is Dylan Brooks going to be on the same team? Didn't they? Didn't the Grizzlies they say trade they're him? Let him go. I think they said they're going to let him go. They're just letting I, him go. I'm pretty sure. I remember hearing a quotation from someone on their, their organization that was like, "Yeah, he's not playing here anymore." Or something they're like that. They're just like fed up with him. I think so. I think they're just like, "Hey, you're not worth about like you're not worth your distractions." Huh. Uh. See if I can find that somewhere. Oh, yep. It says, yeah, right here it's saying that the Memphis Grizzlies have informed Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. Yeah, so so basically you took Dylan Brooks and made him a good basketball player in turn by turning him into Marcus Smart because it's the same. Like he says, they have similar, yeah. similar games, I feel like. I would say Marcus Smart is a bit of an upgrade from Dylan Brooks because sure. Marcus Smart has better playmaking ability and is a better shooter. Yeah, sure. that's what I mean. They took they basically took Dylan Brooks and made him good. I mean, and better. you're also getting the best flopper in the league in Marcus Smart. Yes. Yeah, they are. So, um, uh, I feel like there should be some kind of like clause in referee contracts that like if you fall for a certain number or either a certain number of flops from Marcus Smart or some of the most extravagant ones, if you if you call those, then you're just you're released. You're designated to you can only referee college games or something like that. Like you just can't, you can't fall for that and be a professional referee. But, but I think that's a good fit for the Grizzlies. That's not not the question you asked. You asked if Porzingis um, uh, you asked if Porzingis would be a good fit with the Celtics, and my answer to that is I have no idea because I thought he was going to be a good fit with the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was not. He was an awful fit for the Mavericks. I don't know what he is anymore. So, I think well, if you if you think about, I'm thinking about a replacement for like Al Horford. Al Horford mostly they stuck in the corner and asked him to shoot some threes and play some defense. And Porzingis is seven feet tall. I imagine he can play about as good as defense as 38 year old Al Horford or whoever. And he's probably at least as good of a shooter from the perimeter. I would say he's better, so, right? Yeah, so probably it's an upgrade. Is it an upgrade that is meaningful in terms of they're now 100% the best team in the East? I don't know if that's true. I think they still have a Jalen Brown problem. 
in my opinion, for the amount of money that they're giving him. I don't know if he's worth that. I thought I would have, if I were the Celtics, I would have rather kept Marcus Smart and traded Jalen Brown if I was in charge because I think Marcus yeah. Smart is a pretty good mix of does all the intangible annoying things that you mm-hmm. need someone to do on your team, and also he's pretty good. Um, and Jalen Brown is he's hit and miss. There are games he's really good, and there's game, and if you're a star, you can't really be hit and miss. You got to be yep. you got to be the guy consistently, as at least especially in the playoffs. Well, Jason Tatum's been hit and miss too. He has too, but I think so he like has a much higher guys. ceiling. So, like, if I had to yeah. pick one of the two, oh like yeah, that, for sure, right? Because you're not going to let go of both of them. Mm-hmm. You got to bet on one at least. Uh, I would, I would bet on Tatum and let Brown go if I could get something good for him. But maybe they tried. Maybe I don't. Know, I have no idea. Maybe they couldn't get what they wanted uh, from him. But losing Marcus Smart and gaining Porzingis, I feel like is a net loss for the yeah. Celtics in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Well yeah, I, I don't know what they're gonna do with all their big men now because yeah, they've got Al Horford, uh Robert Williams, and Porzingis. So yeah, I don't know what they're doing with all those if they're gonna try to trade one of those other guys. Um because yeah. Like all those guys are like pretty solid options. So I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of always fun, you know, with the free agency every year. I feel like this happens every year. I get excited, like, oh, yeah, these could be some fun things. And then, you know, by midseason, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. But, yeah. Um, Jordan, can you now, can you name a wizard? Any wizard? Well, no, not not any wizard. A wizard on the Washington Wizards. There's Harry Potter. <laughs> um, I I mean Kyle Kuzma. I know is on there, but is he still I, on there? I thought well, he's, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. Yeah. he's still still technically a wizard, right? Until he gets signed by someone else. But it looks like he is going to get signed by someone else. I mean, honestly, I think the only other one that I could say for sure is Landry Shamick, because I know that he got traded to the Wizards in that deal for Bradley Beal. Other than that, I don't think I could name anyone. Can you? No, I was going to be impressed if you knew anybody. No, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because apparently Porzingis had like one of his best years this last year, but I did not know at all because I did not watch a single Wizards, you know, game. It's all it's always hard to tell with those teams because someone has to shoot, right? So someone yeah. is going to have like we just talked about. He could have been shooting somebody. fifty shots a game. Yeah, but he's like, oh, look at that. He averaged 25 points, but they're yeah. you know, 10 and 70 or something. Then, like, well, yeah. someone has to score. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything, any other moves or any other things you want to talk about with the uh, free agency? Um, Serge Jabari Rice was signed by the San Antonio Spurs. Really? Which is also a very. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know what the signing was. I don't know if it's like one of the, I don't, I don't know what, when I say signed, I don't know what that means exactly in terms yeah. of he was a post draft free agent signee yeah. for whatever length of time that equates to from the Spurs, which I think is a very Spursy pick. I could see him being a, a, a good NBA player, actually. He's a really good shooter. Yeah. Um, it's a famed pump fake 
Uh, he's not very athletic though, so, but he's a pretty good defender. So I don't know. He's a bit um, undersized. He's a little undersized. He's like six four. So, but he's a smart player. It'd be inter- I'll be interested to see if he does anything. But I just thought that was an interesting culture sign that was uh, kind of fit the organization. Um. Yeah, that's it. That's all. That's my last tidbit that I didn't get in earlier. Nice. Well, I guess that kind of wraps up our discussion on NBA-related topics. So we do have kind of a fun segment for you guys today. We're going back to our classic hypothetical questions. It's a hypothetical Sunday this time, which we've never done a hypothetical Sunday. We've only done a hypothetical Tuesday and a hypothetical Friday. So this is a whole new thing. Um, So Totally different. Yep, totally different. So yeah, we have some questions that we thought might be fun to kind of discuss. Um, so here we go. We're just going to jump into them. So let's start. First question. If you were invisible for a day, Brady, where would you go and why? Invisible for a day. So this one was hard because I thought my first thought in all of these are, is always like, how can I travel somewhere that's like expensive? But that doesn't work for this because you can't really go international because you have to get back through customs. And I'm assuming you're going to stay there for more than like a few hours. Mm, yeah. So you can't. And so then you'd be uninvisible. Uh, and then they have to determine how you got in their country, probably, because they're like, wait a minute, you, we didn't sign you in to get in here before. So you can't really travel unless it's like a short distance. Um I could potentially sneak into like a favorite sporting event. If I get to choose the day, do I get to choose the day I'm invisible or it's just a random day? Um, No, you can choose the day. Yeah, we'll say that. Okay. Then, yeah, I would pick like, I don't know, national championship game or some, some uh, Oklahoma, Texas game, something that I was like interested in and uh, that I wouldn't like be able to do or couldn't afford or something otherwise. And I'd just be invisible and sneak in the sporting event that was on my yeah. list of things i would do and the the other heart the, the only really perks of being invisible are to do illegal things without getting caught like is there any other perks other than like like what is so i mean i could try to rob a bank or something but i don't even know if that would work because they probably have like sensors yeah that, would they still sense me because i'm still there and then also if i yeah. steal a bunch of cash does the cash become invisible or, or like, I, I don't think like the cash becomes invisible. Cloak? I think it's just it's, you. So it's just floating cash running around. And then they catch me, right? Because they eventually just, you know. So I don't know if I could do that. So I don't know if there's really a whole lot of perks of being invisible for a day. Do you need a longer period of time is what you're saying? Maybe. Like a yeah, week or something. If I could be invisible for a day like 100 years ago before they had like fancy sensors and stuff. Then I could I could know as long as they didn't see me, there wasn't like something that would detect I was there, then it'd be super valuable. Cause then I could like go to Washington, DC and like sneak in like places that like had information about stuff that no one mm-hmm. knew about, or like yeah, or yeah. you could rob a bank or you could do other things that would like make a difference in some way for your life or someone's life or something. But I don't know if that really works anymore in that way. So probably I would just pick a day that there was something I really wanted to do 
that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. I'd go to a sporting event or something and I would just sneak in. That would be my strategy. But see the I think the caveat there if you're if you're invisible and you're sneaking into a sporting event, do you have to be quiet the whole time so you don't get found? You know what I mean? Like because does that mean you can't cheer when anything happens in the game and stuff like that? I don't think so because it's allowed, right? So yeah, like you'd probably like the sound get masked. And unless unless you but were... if you're standing right next to someone, they're gonna be like they're gonna hear that there's someone next to them, but then they're looking, and no one's gonna be there. I think you have to be moving around a bit. Okay, you situation. can't stay in one so spot. So you either have to find like a nook and cranny. You can get a good view, but you're not like in people's way. I don't think you can like find a seat and just sit by someone the whole time. Otherwise, you do have to be quiet. Right? Because then they would notice like, okay, there's repeated noises coming right next to me. This is weird. But if you're kind of just walking around and watching or, you know, stopping and moving occasionally, then that would work. Okay. I right. always move if someone gets suspicious, then you just leave. All right. Also, I think that'd be hard. That's like so crowded. I feel like you're bound to bump into someone. But but right? because you're invisible, you bump into someone and then like they don't know. They don't assume it's an invisible person. <laughs> They're just confused and then you leave and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay, what would you do if the day was invisible? If you were invisible for a day? Okay, so I think I I pro I approached this a little bit differently than you did because I basically thought of like if I could be like a fly on the wall in like certain scenarios, what would be some good fun scenarios to be on a fly on the wall? And like people don't know that I'm there, so they would just act like they normally would. Yeah. Um, but I could just be there. Um, so yeah. I think in the morning, see, I I hesitate saying this because I feel like this might actually cause me like a lot of anxiety about what I might see, but. I think it would be fascinating to uh, like walk around, uh, follow Dennis Rodman, to see what does Dennis Rodman get up to on an average weekday, you know, just like all the people he interacts with and stuff like that. As long as he's not in North Korea or something like that. Well, I mean, that would be interesting so too. For that would be interesting too. But then we get into the same problems before: is how do I get out of North Korea after I turn yeah. back from being invisible? Yeah. Um. So so, but I feel like I couldn't do that for the whole day. Because it probably make me sad or something like that. So to pick me up at the end of the day, I just shatter, uh, fall around, uh, Kenny, Charles, Shaq, and Ernie. Or probably just Charles. We'll just fall around Charles, yeah. whoever he's hanging around, and just see what they do, see what they get up to. But you don't get to really hang out with them, right? You're just no. So I'm not interacting just, with them. Just I'm just like witnessing observing. them. Yeah. So of all As, the things you could silently observe, you'd fall around. And Charles Barkley, not like the president or like. No, I, oh, I think the president, he, he probably does like interesting stuff, but I don't know. Probably not as funny. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, that's true. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay. <laughs> Next question. If you were to get reincarnated as an animal with a similar personality, what would it be and why? Um, so I picked I picked a great horned owl um, because they're just kind of they're quiet in the background. just they're observers. 
and rather observe than participate in most situations. They prefer the nighttime. So they're kind of, um, yeah, they're not, they're not morning animals. Yeah. Nocturnal. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, they're, they're wise and I'm, I'm very wise. I have great advice for everyone. So I thought, I thought a great one now would be good. Wow. So humble too. Yes. That, that must yeah, be another yeah. attribute. That's of the, the, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Owls, owls, owls are, are very so humble. humble. They're probably the most humble of all humble creatures. And that's what I am. It's the most humble. Oh my goodness. Well, that was great. That was a great pick. Yeah. Okay. What was yours? Okay. So for what? mine, uh, I don't know. I feel like I need more time to really think of yeah. it. But what I did yeah. in the meantime is I picked a meerkat. Okay. So I picked a meerkat because they seem relatively shy. But they're also really energetic. Are so these like the ones? Of... Are these the ones that are like on the documentaries and they like live in a little hole? Uh huh. Out yeah. in the middle of a, like a like the savanna or something. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. So every once in a while they sing like musical numbers, like a Hakuna Matata and stuff like that too. So yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that's also another perk of being a meerkat. Yeah. So I don't know. That's what I was saying. Like. Because, yeah, I feel like, yeah, they're relatively shy, but they still have, like, a lot of energy, which I feel like really kind of encapsulates me. But also, so they're kind of shy, maybe more, like, introverted. But at the same time, like, the social interaction is very important to them. You know, they have, like, these communities that they live in. You know, they have, like, these big groups, and they, like, look out for each other and stuff like that, which I feel like is kind of, like, that's kind of, like, the stuff that I like. You know, that kind of fits in with my personality and stuff. Because I, I always try to explain myself as a shy extrovert. Like, you know, I usually don't like put myself out there like when I first meet people, but once I get to know people, like I just love being around them and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, so yeah that's what I was like, meerkat seems good. And um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about, I feel like their diet mainly consists of eating bugs and stuff like that. So I don't know how I feel about that, so but this is same. like a personality yeah. trait thing. Not, you know, not if we actually had to be them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so, that's true because I also with like the horned owl, they have really good vision, so that doesn't yeah, make any sense. But, yeah, I can't see that, anything. That doesn't fit you. Yeah, I was playing tennis the other day with uh some people, and they did. You know how you do the like the spin the racket, and whichever one it falls uh -huh. on, yep, for your yep. determining who serves first. So the guy like spun the racket, and it was a W or a M because he had a Wilson racket. And he like showed it to me, and I was like, I don't know what that says. <laughs> Wait, you like, did you not like have your contacts in or something? No, I didn't. I didn't have my glasses on or anything. But he just showed it showed it to me to like show like okay, which one was it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> he was like, like you we tell me, play man. tennis. Like I can see the tennis ball; it's bright yellow, so I can see it. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. Sorry. Oh boy. Okay, so meerkat, meerkat for Jordan then. Yep, meerkat. Okay. Okay. Next question. What um what invention would you go back and uninvent? Um, I would uninvent social media in all of its forms. Yeah, social media is a bad thing for society. I think phones in general are not. I think being able to have access to the internet and being able to call and contact people and find out information mobily is great in a lot of ways. I think social media is bad for people's psychology, view of themselves, view of the world. 
the ability to isolate yourself in your own um, theoretical bubbles and not being able to like kind of segregate yourself ideologically that you only hear the things that your feed and your friends tell you and that becomes your reality and you don't have access to other ways of thought and it, it leads and also just the general toxicity and willingness to be mean to people on social media is not how is not is not the way those kind of same conversations happen in real life when people are standing in front of you so i think it's very unhealthy mm-hmm, yeah for people in a variety of different ways and i've mostly gotten off pretty much all of social media and it's been a i have not regretted it so far i've haven't felt like i haven't missed anything yeah from doing so so that's what i would uninvent yeah i thought about that one too like i do get a lot of enjoyment out of watching these random instagram reels but yeah that's true that is kind of fun but other than that like i i actually don't like that's pretty much all i use instagram for now all i use instagram for is finding these random funny reels and then all i use facebook for is um my branch my branch page to figure out what activities we're doing in our in in the branch so it's like really probably not yeah yeah because i i just don't get anything out of the rest of it you know yeah uh every once in a while i'll pop in and see what my friends are posting but yeah but yeah i agree with you because i yeah i feel it because the the tool itself is like a good idea but like the way that it's used is just kind of poor so yeah kind of toxic so that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. What um, would you what would you uninvent, Jordan? I struggled with this one. I I, I can't really think of anything. Like thought about like a bunch of those things like social media, thought about like the atom bomb, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know. Those are kind of like big ones, but um maybe one would be like radar detectors, you know, like how people have a lot of like radar detectors in their car to like figure out where the cops and the speed traps are. Cause I think it's, I think it's good that we have like, I think it's good to have like the mystery of where the cops are. They could be anywhere. Yeah. Like it, get, yeah. has, it, it keeps you more accountable. You have more of an honor system. Cause yeah, I have some friends, like I'll be in their car. They'll like go like 20 over when, you know, the rest of the freeway, but then they'll have the radar detector. It picks up the, the cop and then they slow down to close to the speed limit. And then they, you know, they're back up again. Yeah. Um, so I don't know something like that so you're not like there's there's more accountability on the roads because yeah there's some crazy people out there on the roads so i feel like i don't know if we want to get too much into the discussion but i just thought of it i thought it was interesting is if you if we were to uninvent the gun how would that change society because guns are interesting in the way that they they place people on the same level in terms of like you don't have to be a skilled martial artist Mm -hmm. or anything in the same way of like a sword or other kind of weapon Mm -hmm. archery or something which is good for people who need protection Mm -hmm. potentially that you can protect yourself and you don't need like certainly there should be training when you own a gun or have a gun but Mm -hmm. it's not like i'm five three in 150 pounds so therefore i just can't win physical confrontations kind of thing yeah but if you have a gun you can and so you have a form of protection but also the other way around is it's much easier to 
hurt somebody with a gun without you don't need training it's not in and also from a physical standpoint of there's the separation of if you have like a sword or something you have to physically be involved in the event mm-hmm. that you're makes kind sense. of more disconnected would, with the gun yeah, yeah you're right you're right so like mm-hmm. that might that actual process maybe and skill level needed to be successful would deter a lot of people so it's, I just I just thought that was an interesting in terms of a a distribution between how guns change the power dynamic of who like if you were like in in ancient times in Japan if you were a samurai you were very powerful because what is someone going to do to you you have a you have a you were the skilled warrior mm-hmm. right yeah and they can't mm-hmm. they can't fight you unless there's like fifteen of them kind of thing. So that provides a power dynamic, but it, but also at the same time, a lot of people who study martial arts, they know the, they have to have training and years of understanding, okay, I have a weapon, but also I have a responsibility how to use it. I don't know. I don't know if that's a discussion. This is, that's much more uh, yeah. in-depth than we typically Very, care to have on yeah, this podcast, it's but deep. I thought it was... I thought it was interesting. I just thought yeah. we were. Yeah, like what would discussion. happen? Yeah, I'm sure the world would look a lot different. Because I feel like it has transitioned more to like, you know, as you were describing, like kind of more um, ancient history, like where the power resided, um, like a lot more nowadays. It's like who has the money and the influence and all these things. They're like the most powerful people, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Kind of interesting. But yeah, maybe that's a topic for another day. <laughs> but Okay, last question. What sci-fi slash futuristic tech do you wish existed? Um, Sci-fi or futuristic futuristic tech? I chose um, Mass Effect Relays from the Mass Effect video game series. Essentially, these are just big... uh, the technology that allowed intergalactic space travel. So um, it allowed humans to create mass effect drives in their ships so they could travel really fast in space. And then also these big relays where you could jump from galaxy to galaxy. And in doing so in the, in the game, they find alien civilizations throughout the Milky Way galaxy. And so I think the that idea of ex, of uh, universal expansion and um, being able to explore beyond our own boundaries, I think that would be fascinating if that was something that was possible. Um, and then also kind of in tow with that would be like some kind of teleportation device. Yeah. Uh, I originally thought apparition, but that's not sci-fi. That's more fantasy. Yeah, gotcha. But like something but, um, that would teleport you, yeah. Yeah, like Stargate. Stargate has like teleportation mm-hmm, yeah. devices or something like that. And you can just walk through and you're somewhere else. If I because that would that would change from a city planner perspective, that would change how everyone there would be no commuting. There would be no need for cars anymore. Like cities could be entirely different. And the time there'd be a lot more time. You could just like teleport to Walmart or whatever store, right? You don't have to take time to do any of that. 
unless you just want to. But that was, those would be my picks. So, I mean, that brings up an interesting point, too. So, like, I mean, we're getting to the point where we can, you know, travel at least to the moon and maybe to Mars. Do you think you'd want to do that? I mean, it's not quite the same line. It's not like you're interacting with, like, alien species. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's some Martians up there. But, you know, is that kind of along the realm? Or does it need to be better? Like, does it need to be, like, instantaneous travel kind of thing? Um, I don't know. I guess I guess the it would be kind of juxtaposed with, maybe that's not the right term. But I'm assuming the this Mass Effect technology also allows for the discovery of other planets that are viable, mm-hmm, yeah, and and also maybe has intelligent life forms. Be interesting, uh, but mostly just being able to explore literally anywhere at that point, right? They could literally go anywhere that you could see, kind of thing. Uh, through a telescope It'd be fascinating I don't know if I would want it I, d- I don't think I definitely wouldn't be like one of the first people to do it because a lot of them would probably die yeah but after many years of figuring out the technology I think it'd be interesting all right yeah sounds good okay and then for mine um I chose interactive 3D holograms. So I think this would be really cool. Like, you know, like the holograms that Tony Stark has in like the in the Iron Man series where he's like, you know, designing his robot or whatever. And he's flipping through all these things. I think that would be so useful. Like I thought about that, like for application for me as a scientist, like there's so many like cellular processes that are so hard to um, like conceptualize. Because I have yeah. to try to like imagine like what it would be like to be in the cell. But if we could yeah. somehow like, you know, zoom that in, like have like a a projection of that and like kind of move around spatially to see like where you know all the proteins are interacting with each other and things like that. I think that'd be a really cool application of it. And I'm sure like it, like a lot of other good applications too, like architectural design or uh, engineering feats would be a lot more efficient than you know like trying to scratch it down on a 2d piece of paper um so yeah i think that would be pretty awesome um so you're an ai supporter is that where is this is that's what we're hearing i mean is that ai particularly like the interactive hologram thing uh i feel like in, in tony stark's in the tony stark example it is well but I don't think that's, I mean, it's not like I have a Jarvis necessarily. That's like, okay. that's like, oh yeah. Like I tell Jarvis all those things, like maybe that'd be nice too. But so does, it's, not, a, it's am, not necessarily interactive. It's just yeah. the 3D portion of it. Oh, so the interactive is just that I can like touch things and like zoom gotcha. in gotcha. and then I can like swipe to the right, swipe to the left, like move around with my hands. Yeah. Um. However that w- works. That's the interactive portion. Yeah. Um. Not necessarily the AI portion, because I don't know. I have mixed feelings about AI. I don't know if we want to get into that, but because AI seems really cool, right? Like you can do a lot of amazing stuff. But I am deathly afraid of an iRobot scenario. I don't know if you've seen iRobot, but like the AI basically takes over the world. I feel like that could happen. And I'm kind of scared of that. 
I mean, we just talked about sci-fi in my Mass Effect series. That's one of the main topics is yeah. artificial intelligence becoming too intelligent and they take yeah. over it. It's like what's we've 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 done this way too many times in in uh in literature for that to be something that actually happens with no uh worries about the outcome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's so many sci-fi movies where AI takes yeah. over the world. But honestly, I don't know. I I say I don't know enough about AI to know how worried I should be about that. But like the things that I mean, have you used Chat Chat GPT at all? I've seen people use it. Yeah. I have not actually done it myself. But like, it's kind of crazy how how much it seems like it's like a human sometimes. You know, like the way that it responds and stuff like that. It's very interesting. I also saw somewhere, I don't know what's true and what's not. I just see headlines, but that one like one of the AIs, like it was shown that it lied in mm -hmm. response yeah. or something. I was like, that's scary. Well, because um, was it wasn't I think I saw that same article where it was like it gave him five dollars and it was like you need to turn this five dollars into you know, like you know, five hundred dollars or something like that. And like, yeah. how do you do that? And like one of the things was it like lied about its credentials or whatever, because it knew that yeah. it wouldn't be, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be accepted. We're getting, we're getting into deep topics today on this episode of the <laughs> Pick and Roll Podcast. I, was, I know, I was not anticipating this, but yeah. I guess we're both in just kind of introspective moods today. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all the questions that I have today. That was fun. Thanks for indulging on this. Those, those hypothetical uh, Sections are always fun. Usually don't get as usually don't get as uh, deep and thought provoking as they do, did this time. But we weren't actually lying. This but... hypothetical Sunday was different from the other hypothetical It was because well, maybe it's because of the yeah. hypothetical Sunday. You know, we're we're a lot more we're a lot more introspective on the on Sundays, I guess, than we are on Tuesdays. Yeah. Tuesdays we'll just talk about what weapons we would use to kill zombies in the yeah. in the apocalypse. So which is also fun. It's also important topics, so glad we covered yeah. that too. Yeah, things that you need to think about sometime. Mm -hmm. Got to yeah. be prepared. Are you an Eagle Scout, Jordan? I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm also an Eagle Scout, yeah. so yeah. So we're prepared. Just, yeah, you just have to be prepared. Basically. Anyways, well, thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Provo Pick and Roll. Always glad to have you guys. Um, thanks for sticking with us throughout all these episodes. Um, it's kind of fun. Like we've been doing this for a few years now. So uh, glad that some people are still listening to us, even if it is somewhat infrequent. But yeah. Well, thanks again. And until next time, whoosh, Kevin. Go Cougs.